to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'd like to feature a conversation I recently recorded with Mike Dore. Mike is an Executive MBA format student in our class of 2020, and I recently sat down to talk with him a little bit more about his MBA journey, uh, what led him to Darden, what he's enjoyed about his experience so far, and his advice for students who are considering pursuing an MBA. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Mike Dore. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Brett, it is a pleasure to be here with you on the grounds in Roslyn, the Sands family grounds. It is a beautiful, wonderful evening looking out at the Georgetown skyline. Thank you so much for the opportunity. We have not figured out how to get the view onto the <laughs> podcast yet. but Someday. Someday. So um, for our listeners at home, tell us a little bit more about you. Sure. Uh, so my name is, uh, as Brett said, I'm Mike Dore. Uh, prior to coming to the Executive MBA program, I had a 10-year career, uh, mostly in Virginia, uh, in politics and uh, in the nonprofit space. Uh, I assisted uh, some politicians you may have heard of, including Governor uh, Terry McAuliffe when he was both running for governor and I served on his political committee uh, when he was actually governor of the Commonwealth. Uh, I've also assisted a number of different politicians, including Mayor uh, LeVar Stoney. Uh, I served as a consultant to his race uh, in Richmond, coming from fifth place to first place on Election Day is very exciting. And I've also helped a number of nonprofit uh, statewide causes in Virginia as well. So, And I'm currently uh, moving in a slightly different direction in my career, but I'll, I'll save that for later. Sure. So um, as you mentioned, you had a deep political you know, career, you've done a lot of things in, in politics. How did you start to realize you wanted to go get an MBA? Sure. So uh, after about you know 10 years uh, in the political nonprofit space, uh, I had an exciting opportunity from a longtime friend and mentor of mine as the former chairman, uh, CEO of Allianz Global Assistance. Uh, it's a travel insurance company in Richmond, Virginia. They're the leader in the space. Uh, John uh, actually started the company uh, when uh, in New York, uh, he was a co-founder, sold it to Allianz, ran it, uh, as I said, to sort of being the leader in the space. And he approached me uh, to see if I wouldn't be able to help him launch a new company in Richmond uh, called Magic Quote. Uh, we built an app that allows our customers to compare rates for car insurance. And I had a lot of great uh, interpersonal marketing skills, uh, a lot of things that translated really well to the startup uh, sort of arena. But I quickly figured out that I was kind of in over my head uh, doing this kind of entrepreneurial venture. Um, And John, uh, he has his MBA, and I really appreciated how he was able to bring uh, solid, substantive business analysis to problems we were facing. And uh, he ultimately encouraged me to go out and uh, pursue this MBA in the executive format. Uh, My wife has been incredibly supportive as well. And so uh, that's sort of what led me uh, to the Darden program. And so when you think about sort of choosing Darden, what is it about the experience that resonated with you as a prospective student? Yeah. uh, So, well, one, Brett, it was just a pleasure uh, meeting you here uh, in these offices. And uh, one of the things that really attracted me to the Darden program uh, is the core place that the University of Virginia and the Darden School have played in Virginia, in our Commonwealth's ecosystem, Charlottesville has always been sort of a hub uh, for entrepreneurial activity and for financing those activities. And so I really felt like I would be extending myself into an area 
uh, that could uh, both provide me with some intellectual academic resources, learning about finance and accounting, but also assist me, uh, you know, entrepreneurial new businesses. They're resource intensive businesses. Uh, they require a lot. They're like little baby businesses and to get up and running, they need a lot of help and support. And I felt like uh, Charlottesville, UVA, Darden would give me both the intellectual firepower to come at this challenge, but then also uh, would put me in a network that would uh, be very helpful uh, to this current project that I'm working on. So what do you enjoy most about working in an entrepreneurial space? You had mentioned that it, it draws upon some existing skills that you have and obviously has stretched you in other ways. What, what do you enjoy about being in this kind of ambiguous world? Yeah, sort of? for sure. So I would say that uh, I really enjoy the fact that any given day I could be doing uh, two or three kind of different things. Uh, no two days are the same. Uh, I could be working on, uh, say, our fundraising one minute, then you know putting pitches together for investors. The next minute, I could be working with our marketing team. And really, we have a great, small, collaborative team uh, of really experienced, proven entrepreneurs that I've been working with. And uh, it's just been great to, every day we look at, hey, what's the challenge What's the roadblock that we have to get over today? And what's our strategy to do that? We're very collaborative about figuring that out. And then we're also very passionate and motivated about going out and taking on whatever business challenge it might be that we might be facing at the time. So, And that's very similar to the campaign world where you don't have a lot of resources, but you have a lot of needs and you just sort of have to go out and you have to figure things out and you have to do that um, in limited time with limited resources, but with very talented, smart people who are very motivated, very dedicated, very passionate about what they're doing. So, uh, so I've, I've loved it. I've enjoyed it. So here we are quarter four, the program is flying along. I don't know if this is your experience with it, but it is amazing to me as someone who's only just proximate to your experience, how quickly everyone moves through the program. So you started in August, here you are, you now take in, you know, quite a few classes. Um, this quarter, you're taking global economics and operations. Mm -hmm. And also you have an enterprise leadership course um, mm -hmm. that's being taught by General George Casey. So a full full quarter. Um, what's been probably one of the most surprising things about the program so far for you? Actually, I'll say, Brett, I thought coming to this that I would be most challenged by some of the things that I was shallow in, such as the finance, the accounting classes, the backbone of some of these businesses that I just had never really dealt with directly in the political nonprofit space. And I've certainly been challenged in those types of courses, but really actually where I've been challenged has been uh, even more so on uh, building leadership, interpersonal skills. I think one thing that's amazing about this program is the way that the curriculum is, is linked to my practice as a professional, uh, as an entrepreneur, uh, in my own business. And so we had a management communications class where uh, I took a tool and I saw, oh, darn it, I'm not that good at uh, getting feedback day to day. And I realized that unlike maybe uh, some more established enterprises, I didn't have regular check-ins the way some might to, uh, to see, hey, how am I really doing on the projects that I'm working on? And uh, in my career as well, I realized I didn't really have a lot of structured opportunities to sit down with mentors and really intentionally say, how can I do things better? And I didn't have a lot of strategies either. And so that was a huge blind spot that I was just totally unaware of. 
and so in taking that class, I was able to improve myself as a business person, an entrepreneur, and uh, just as a person in the world, period, by trying to incorporate more strategies into uh, my day-to-day business practices. So I found the program to really enhance my career, even as I'm going through it. Uh, it hasn't... Ne- it is time. It does take time to do it, but it has been, I'd say on the whole, an enhancement and it's made me a better professional. How have you managed the time? I think this is something that's on a lot of prospective students' minds. Uh, we try not to use the word balance too much because I think it's hard to be truly balanced while you're doing mm-hmm. this, right? Because you have a lot on your plate. You have work and life and you have school. And I have an so. adorable one and a half year old, uh, Luke. I love you. You're 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 a beautiful baby, and you know, yeah, right. But yeah. these things, uh, you know, it, it is tough. It was tough, you know, being away for a week uh, from from uh, from my wife, who's amazing. Um, my wife Liz, who is you know started her own company as well, and uh, is someone who you know I look up to as well. You know, in in terms of what she's done, and I have all the respect in the world for. Uh, but. You know, she, um, you know, she had to kind of take the kid for a week. Right. And uh, and that's tough on her to do. And so um, I think the uh, the key thing is just to, you know, really uh, try to focus on when you're with your what I've tried to do, at least is when I'm with my family, when school like here's my school time, here's my business time. And then I'm going to take this time and this is sort of family time and I'm going to guard it And my Sunday mornings where. I take my kid and we go to breakfast and hang out like that's our time. And and I've tried to sort of create more guardrails and barriers, which is not a thing that uh, I'll say I was particularly good at. I think my life, you know, my political life, my personal life are all sort of it's all sort of one thing. I'm not somebody who's had a job where I just check out at six o'clock and I go and and do this. But so it's that's how I've handled it mm-hmm. is just sort of trying to set those barriers up and to try to lean on my peers, uh, to, uh, to use you know, what I've learned is I don't learn everything the fastest. You know, you just get, you, it makes sense when you say it, but I'm not the smartest, you know, guy in the world on everything. In fact, not on most things. Uh, every, other people are, I need to rely on other people to help bring me along in the class and, the sooner you figure that out, the better off you'll be in the program that you can rely on your peers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you said about sort of guardrails feels, I mean, I've had quite a few of these conversations with classmates of yours and uh, uh, students from prior classes, and they all talk about that same sort of thing, just trying to be fully present, which is hard to do. Um, but you want to make time for all of these things because they're equally important, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's at certain times uh, more important than other things going on. Right. So, you know, many of our 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 students uh, are are parents and so Mm -hmm. kids and spouses and partners to think about. And, you know, work is demanding and school is demanding. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's all sort of demanding on your time. But at the end of the day, I get really energized by the interactions I'm having with my peers, with my professors, with the things that I'm learning. I feel like I'm growing. And for me, that sort of adds to the well. It doesn't take away. It's actually, it's made my life, I think, overall more exciting because I'm learning and growing in a way and being stretched in a way I hadn't been in about a decade. I mean, it's been 10 years since I walked into an academic institution and said, I'm going to put go through some sort of formal education process. Uh, and so it's really expanded 
me and pushed me in ways that certainly they're challenging, but they're exciting as well. And I think have added to my energy and excitement about my career and what's going on currently for me. So, um, and then that's helped me, I think, have energy to go back at my career with sort of a fresh perspective. Um, and, and so I think it's all good, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, do you feel like it's made you better at your day to day job? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hands down. One key thing that comes right away for me is the confidence of having an MBA from just a top tier program and being in a top tier business program. I had this view and I had dealt with a lot of people in the business world, uh, but just that, you know, I'm over here in the political nonprofit space and oh my God, what is business? What occurs there? You know, what do these business people do? And I think to a certain extent, I, and you know, it's going to, it's a matter of time before someone figures me out that I just don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and, uh, and, and coming here and just learning a few things, even in the more basic, just straightforward intro courses gave me enough of a ground to say, okay, I understand what we're talking about when we're talking about SGNA or, you know, the cost of our goods sold or knowing what an, you know, those spreadsheets are, you know, and finance, you know, net present value, all this stuff. It's like, okay, I can wrap my head around it. And at the end of the day, they're measuring uh, operations and outcomes, which is a thing that I've done in the political and you know nonprofit world. We just have different ways of evaluating those things, different KPIs that we track and different outcomes that we try to produce. But, you know, so just learning that language and understanding just how that works has given me just a ton of confidence going back to the business world. And has given me and has made me a better, uh, a better professional, better entrepreneur, and has opened my mind up to opportunities that might exist that I I don't think I ever would have considered prior to the program. So, what your point about sort of business and maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome and some of this is uh, is is well taken because I think what's on a lot of our our students' minds is well, I'm not an executive or right. I don't have a traditional business background. We always say, well, executive only really means schedule here. It doesn't mean, <laughs> it doesn't mean organizational level. Um, but the business thing is definitely on people's minds, right? Yeah. So you come from nonprofit political background. What would you say to a student, you know, who's sort of thinking like, ah, I don't have a traditional business background. I'm thinking about, you know, going back to get an MBA. I would say that there is a lot of value to the way that business people think about and analyze problems and uh, that that can be incredibly valuable for helping someone who's been in a nonprofit or political space turn around and analyze issues or problems in those two spaces. I think about uh, I have a way that I've thought about campaigns and elections and what's important in marketing and other things like that that have been really significantly impacted by just understanding some things about business uh, in the way that business problems are analyzed. Here's the other thing I'll say, though, is that I think folks in the political and the nonprofit world have a lot to contribute to the business world. The values that people in the political and nonprofit space bring, the way that they look at problems, which is different than you know the way that folks who are in the business world will look at things. I think that you bring both of those two things together in a synergistic and collaborative way. I think real magic can happen uh, for for both 
the business people who are in the program and the people who come at it from a slightly different perspective when we can come together and learn from each other. And so I'd say you're not a taker if you come to this program without. I never had a business class prior to this program. I never had an accounting class. I never had anything. I had math and contemporary society. Uh, I still remember it was a, you know, as a philosophy major in undergrad. Uh, so, you know, not a lot of really heavy uh, finance going on in that class. Uh, and so, um, but I think my peers have learned a lot from, you know, me just as much as I have been able to learn uh, from those that have a, you know, finance, Wall Street or accounting sort of background. So don't be intimidated. Uh, you know, everybody just kind of comes as they are. And through learning with each other, through the case method and in class collaboration discussion, I mean, I think really magical things can happen in that classroom that I've seen occur, which is just amazing. So let's talk about the in-class experience a little bit more. Um, you know, one of the things I think is the value of the program, or one of the values of the program, I should say, for folks is that you get to encounter perspectives that are different than your own. Case method is a great venue for that. You want to talk about what some of those discussions have been like and how your classmates' thoughts may have shaped your own? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, look, I think for the... Uh, you know, for the for the cases, you know, the in class discussions. First, you 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 know you learn maybe about sixty percent of the way on your own. You sort of do your case reading and you you prepare your sort of source materials, and then uh, you get the next sort of twenty percent. You have a learning team where you're sort of learning with them collaboratively, and they kind of help you get to the next you know maybe eighty percent of the way, and then in class uh, you fill in you know the final sort of. 20%. And so, and in the classroom, I've been able to learn, especially, you know, we have a great contingent of people who are here in the military, uh, which is, you know, not my background. I, I haven't served my, you know, I don't come from a military family being in Virginia, you know, there's a lot of that, but, and so I'm familiar with it, but really getting the uh, perspectives of folks who have served the leadership training that they've gotten and, you know, kind of the way that they approach problems uh, has, you know, for me been one of the things that I, I'm very grateful for, uh, having been able to, uh, experience as a part of the program, uh, you know, and, and I've actually found we have a lot more in common than I might've thought, you know, because in my world, in the political world, you get sort of shipped off somewhere and you're expected to sort of figure things out. Uh, you know, the stakes I think are a little higher for some of my friends who've served, but, you know, they kind of had to do the same thing. And so hearing some of their stories about getting sent, you know, to somewhere, uh, you know, be it in North Africa or, you know, somewhere in the Middle East, and then they've suddenly got to be in charge of a platoon somewhere. Um, and they might be the youngest guy there, but there's people who are older than them who they suddenly have to lead and manage. I have just learned uh, a ton uh, from those guys, you know, in, in our leadership, you know, our LO class. Um, and our management sort of communications classes. So, uh, so yeah, it's, I, you know, every day there's, there's something you pick up from other folks. So you're approaching the midpoint of the program. You're getting there. Quarter five would be the midpoint. Mm -hmm. And so what's, what's high on your list of things that you want to make sure you accomplish over this next year plus that you have in the program? You know, I mean, obviously you're gonna have core classes, you're gonna have electives, mm -hmm. a lot of mm -hmm. learning ahead. But like when you think about these are the important priorities for me, what are they? Well, uh, so one thing that's been just really important for me, uh, and you can't uh, sort of, um, you can't discount it, is the uh, resources that 
a top 10 uni- you know, business school like Darden can provide to students. I think that I have done an okay job taking advantage of that. We get access to everything that just about everything that the full-time MBAs get access to. So uh, they have symposiums about finance, operations, accounting, where they bring in heavy hitters in the business world to come and speak to problems and issues. And so for me, I'd really like to sort of do a better job taking advantage I'd say I have some of those resources to grow and network and sort of meet um, and meet other people. And so uh, and already that's been beneficial to me, I'll say. Uh, and the Darden, you know, career centers have been great. Uh, I've been working with Jim. Uh, he sat down with me and gave me access to the alumni network, like right out the gates. And, you know, because I was in a spot where I really needed some advice and some help with my business. Uh, and, uh, you know, really set in, and that network has been amazing. The alumni network has been fantastic. Darden alums, they really, when you reach out and say, Hey, can you help me with a problem? People I've shocked at how people I've never met will email me back and say, you know, Mike, here's what I think you should do about that. I'm floored every time it happens. I'm incredibly grateful, uh, as well. And so for me, that's my number one thing I think is just trying to do everything I can to sort of, you know, look. I'm going to learn a ton in the classroom. You know, I, I think that's going well, obviously. But my number one thing, I think, while you're here is is to get connected with just what I'd say is, you know, just the best alumni group in the country. I mean, really, truly, that's uh, that's that's what I've seen. Um, you know, and, and Darden has that reputation. I mean, truly, among top ten business programs, uh, our alumni are just the absolute best. So, so. Uh... Thinking back on when you were a prospective student, right? So not so long ago when you were working on an application and thinking about coming to Darden, what do you wish you would have known or what advice would you have given yourself knowing what you what you know now? Or what would be your advice generally for prospective students out there? Yeah, so my advice to prospective students, uh, I would say uh, definitely, uh, one, come and get coffee with Brett Twitty. It's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you know, you can, you can ask him all sorts of things. He'll, you know, he'll, he'll schedule it. He'll make it so easy for you. Sometimes he'll come out, uh, he, you know, he's based up here in Washington, DC, but he's not above going down to Richmond or Charlottesville to meet with folks. Uh, you know, so he'll, he'll do that. So, you know, number one, I'd say go get coffee with Brett. Uh, and then number two, uh, I think it'd be, it would have been beneficial for me to sort of go and see a class. But I'd encourage people who go and see the class. It's sort of like uh, you know seeing a play, but not seeing everything that goes on behind it. I could see how it might be a little intimidating for folks because they you know you walk into this class and everybody's shooting at each other about you know accounting or finance or whatever it is that's going on. And I'd say you know don't be intimidated. These are people that have had five or six months of intensive business training at a top ten university and like. The only reason why we're all so, you know, if we appear to be really good currently is because we really rely on and support each other through this program. And that's what I've just been so impressed by. You know, I've had, uh, you know, my colleagues in this program have cheered me on when I've had successes. They've been there for me when I've had struggles and issues. And um, I'm just, you know, so grateful to everybody here. And I think that aspect is something that you just can't get until you actually step through these doors and you walk into this classroom and you get there for LR1 uh, and you actually you actually feel the energy in that room and you start to establish those bonds. And, and we've only known each other for five 
or six months now. And it's crazy how close I am to a lot of these people in this program. So, Well, there's a depth of relationship that, that happens because of the in, intensity of the experience, right? You're reading a lot. Mm-hmm. You're learning. You're growing a lot. You're sort of tra- it's designed to be transformational, which we we emphasize with this is not transactional like just here to get a get a degree and move on um, no 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 this is deeper <laughs> for sure so um talk a little bit more about how you use your learning team or you know the, how, how the group supports your your learning right so you mentioned this sort of step process of individual learning team class mm-hmm. how, how does your team approach managing work yeah, sure. So, uh, so for the first two sections, uh, you know, Brett, you get a learning team that's sort of assigned to you. Then after that, which is a thing I, I didn't sort of realize until we were like a third of the way into the third section, I was like, where's my learning team? You sort of then go and assemble. Uh, you, you either join up with another learning team or you sort of assemble your own learning team. And so uh, I have a group currently of about, you know, six or seven people in the program that I uh, work with. And what we found works for us. It's different for everybody, but we try to link up, you know, just really quickly, you know, once a week, uh, you know, during the time that we have class in the evenings, uh, you know, we also have, uh, our notes are sort of all in the cloud. So we all do the reading. We all make our own sort of notes and comments on things and we share that. So if I'm struggling with something, I can refer to our one drive in the cloud that we've got. Uh, which is very helpful for me in a lot of cases. Um, and then, uh, you know, we'll try to link up uh, if we've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday residency, you know, we'll try to link up Thursday evening or Friday morning before everything kind of kicks off. Uh, but I found it eminently manageable. It's not creeping into my life in sort of every place. The uh, Darden program has this really great uh, software that they use that really helps you keep track of all of, you know, all of your assignments. And it's not like you're writing a paper every week. I mean, a lot of it is prepare your case notes and then be prepared to sort of deliver in discussion. I don't want anybody to think that they're going to have to be writing, you know, uh, they're going to have to be doing just a ton of like assignments all the time, you know, throughout the course of the week. That's, that's not really sort of how the program uh, how the program works, uh, you know, you'll get tested and you'll get tested on whether you know your stuff because you'll be able to participate in class, which is a huge part of your grade uh, here at Darden. Yeah, it was. Uh, we had a prospective student event today, um, mm-hmm. and it was great to hear Jim Dieter talk about sort of the academic experience from the faculty standpoint, and that the faculty acknowledged that the people who are doing this program are very busy people right? and they have full lives and a lot going on and they want it to be as, as challenging as it reasonably can be right? Know, for, for this group of people because that's why you're here, right? right. You're here because you, you want that. Um, right. And that's what gives the experience value. That's what gives the degree value and what makes it mean something. Right. And here's what I'll say, Brett, I don't feel like I'm doing like any busy work. You know, I don't, some of our undergrad experiences may have been, uh, oh, I've got a bunch of assignments or a bunch of papers that I have to do. And gosh darn it, I'd rather be, you know, doing something else. Uh, but you know, this is there's no busy work in this program. It, everything is uh, I've always felt like everything. There's a value and a reason to why that I have something it is that I'm doing. Uh, and it's not just like, oh, no, you know, here's another like quiz I have to get ready for. Like, no, this is stuff that's really helping me improve through this class and get through this class, even in macroeconomics, our first class where we had some quizzes throughout the course, 
there were three throughout the course, I think, of the initial class. But really, the quizzes helped me stay on top of what it was that I needed to know. And they weren't so high risk in terms of the percentage of your overall grade that you were somehow, you know, if you if you didn't do so well on one of them, that you were just, you know, you're going to have to go and have a conversation with the dean or something about it. You know, like it, it's so it, it's really it's really designed around uh, a professional's career uh, and, and a busy professional's career. And, you know, uh, companies like Capital One, you know, wouldn't send so many folks here. Uh, if it was somehow, uh, you know, making those employees, you know, not as productive, I think, you know, they, they companies like that send people here because it actually makes them better, uh, even while they're going through the program. So I want to ask you a little bit more about the participation aspect of the, mm-hmm. of the experience, because I think for some folks that may feel intimidating, right? The idea yeah. to speak up, group right. of people, 65 folks. I mean, what do those experiences feel like? What you mentioned that your that your classmates have cheered you on um, when you've had success in the program. Um, talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, look for me, participation was not something that I was stressed about. For me, participation, uh, you know, I'm I'm somewhat more outgoing than most. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't, uh, I'm not scared about sort of being wrong about something when I open my mouth. Maybe I should be a little more so, uh, but you know, uh, I'm fine with saying something and being wrong and having somebody say, Hey Mike, like, you know, I, I don't agree with that. Right. The whole political world I was in half the people don't agree with you, you know? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and you constantly sort of have to learn about how other people kind of come at things and problems. Right. So um, here's the thing that I will say is what's nice about going back to school is it is it is like not like when you're in the business world. It's not like when you're in, a, in your career and if you say something that's off or not quite right in a meeting with your superiors, you know, and you're doing your weekly check in on, on your projects, uh, you know, it's it's very low stakes. You can be wrong in that classroom. And I think that's the best thing in the world, honestly, about going back to school. Like if I'm wrong in magic quote, I mean, it costs us money. I have to, you know, we have to go back to our investors. It's not easy. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. There are real risks and dangers. Uh, but in that classroom, I mean, people are incredibly supportive, uh, even when, you know, uh, even when you might feel a little, I've, I've had plenty of times actually, not a lot, but a couple where I've come out of the classroom and been like, gosh, I really feel like I stepped in it, you know, when I made comment X and, you know, people are genuinely very supportive. They'll say, no, you know, I think not, maybe I wasn't right about something, but here's maybe how I could have rephrased it better or said it better or differently. Um, but people are just so supportive. So if classroom participation is something that uh, you 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 struggle with or you're intimidated with it, just know that uh, this is a place where people, they assume positive intent. They assume that you are trying to help everybody sort of get at the truth. And I'll say some of my more um, more reserved, more analytical colleagues in the course, I've enjoyed seeing them open up a lot more over you know, periods two, three, and four as they felt sort of more comfortable. So the sooner you can just say, forget it, I'm here, it's great. We're either in Charlottesville, which is gorgeous, you know, looking at the grounds or we're here in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., you know, just say, you know, I'm here to just learn. It's a different space and it's a safe space for me, whatever my background or perspective might be. Yeah, you're right that everybody has things to work on. You don't choose to come to a program like this if you're 
you're perfect and you <laughs> that's know, right. nothing else to accomplish. Um, that's right. So, and uh, it is, it's a rare opportunity, right? And Absolutely. You know, how often do you have a chance to come together with a group of really interesting people and talk about things and hear different perspectives? And yeah. You're all in that same mindset of growing and, and developing. Who all have different perspectives on things. I mean, you know, there's a, uh, you know, there's people who work in the medical field and, you know, I had a, a business that I was looking at, you know, potentially doing some work with. And, you know, I, I had somebody who literally, you know, works in an OR that I could say, Hey, what do you think about this product? Is this something that you know, would add value? Obviously I've met with this, the, you know, the entrepreneur and the CEO of the company. And I, I know they think it's a good idea, but you know, what do you think? I mean, you know, you are in the medical business. And so uh, having opportunities like that uh, are just, I mean, you can't, I mean, I, I didn't have like a doctor on speed dial I could call to ask about things. I didn't have somebody, you know, who works in cybersecurity that I could just, you know, on speed dial, you know, call about things. I mean, it's uh, project managers, all sorts of different professionals who come at these things. And th they, they become resources for you, not just in the classroom, but in your professional life as well. And that's, that's you just, I've gotten a lot of value out of that. Yeah, it's been cool talking with some of the entrepreneurs in the program, particularly in our class of 2019, who have leveraged that expertise in the execution of their own business. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, so all of a sudden you've got an accountant and a finance person and and you might have a particular skill set and you start to develop a sense of your gaps or, you know, things that people are better at than you that can help you uh, run your business, you know, as you go through a program like this and all of a sudden you start reaching out to some of those people and you uh, have a team. Yeah, totally. And I think that there's this relationship, you know, between uh, academics, academia and entrepreneurship that has just totally not been talked about a lot. You think about some of the most incredible companies, you know, Facebook. I mean, was basically incubated, you know, on a college campus. Uh, but there's this perspective, I think, that, you know, that some have had who are uh, sort of business leaders in that space that, oh, like, you don't need school. You don't need to go back to school. You, you can learn everything through the hard knocks that you'll get sort of in the business world. But actually, I think in, in UVA and the, you know, the Batten Institute and places, you know, in um, the accelerators that exist, you know, that are part of this university are, are actually an example of you know, just a pure example of how universities and academia are actually walk hand in hand with the startup uh, and early stage company ecosystem. And that as a founder, you need so many resources. Universities can provide you as an entrepreneur with those types of intellectual, you know, interpersonal and in some cases, you know, connections to capital resources as well. So um, to me, entrepreneurship and academia go hand in hand. And I think, you know, I had a view for a little bit before coming to this program that like, ah, I don't need school. I'll just go learn in the real world. Well, guess what? Learning in the real world costs money. And when you come here and you learn something, I mean, yes, you have to pay to be in the program, but it doesn't cost you money on your business. And that's that's huge. I mean, and I spoke with a number of entrepreneurs before I came to this program and I said, would you have rather have gone to get your MBA and learn this? Or did you feel like you did better just learning in your business? And they said, no, you will save so much money and so much time, with it, which is worth way more than your than your money, because you have very little. You might not have a lot of money, but you have very little time to prove what it is you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's so much value if you are somebody who is 
you know, working on a startup or starting your own company, I'd say this is a great place where you can grow and, fl- and flourish. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure having you here. Absolutely, Brett. I want to thank you. Uh, I can think of nothing better, no better way to spend uh, a Saturday evening after a long day of class and sitting here with you, Brett Twitty. Uh, and uh, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to talk about uh, the impact this program's had on me and, and, my, and my startup. So thank you. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you. And that was my conversation with Mike Dorr, an Info Format student in our class of 2020. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything we can cover here on the Exec MBA podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA, at darden.virginia.edu. And until next time, thanks for listening.